I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now I invite you to settle in and let's find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together here is just as meaningful and sacred as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is titled, They Fear Your Strength. This is a little challenging where I'm going to take this today. So I hope you'll stay with me, but um, trigger warning that it is about manipulation and fear um, and abuse. And we, while of course we never get into very graphic details, some depending on where you are on your healing journey, sometimes that can be unsettling for you. So this has been, this was inspired by um, a lot that's happening right now within uh, the deconstructing community. And more importantly, or more focused on the Christian's response to people who are leaving church. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that if the phrase deconstructing your faith or just deconstructing in general doesn't resonate with you. I get that. Um, I've, I had never heard that uh, phrase before I came to TikTok. I'd never heard it before. So if it doesn't resonate with you, you find what resonates for you to explain. Sometimes people talk about this spiritual unrest uh, walking through the spiritual wilderness, being a spiritual so sojourner or a spiritual seeker, or being a questioner, just questioning and be, staying curious is, is your spiritual identity right now, which is all okay. That's what I think is important to understand as we continue down this deconstructing uh, path, what I call now deconstructing, because I've heard it so often. At first, I just called it untangling from my beliefs. And I think all of it fits. What, what, describes you, what best fits you and just know that it's okay. But Christianity in particular, evangelical fundamentalist conservative Christianity has really picked up and globbed on to this deconstructing phrase and they're utilizing it in their sermons and in uh, their articles, for instance, in Christianity Today, and I'll tag this in the in the show notes, there is an article in the March edition called Wait, You're Not Deconstructing because this writer is going to assure you that that's not what you're doing. You silly people, you're not deconstructing. You can't deconstruct from Jesus. Yes, you can. If the Jesus that you were told about, that you were taught about, instilled fear and judgment and hatred for the outside world. You could absolutely deconstruct from that and reconnect with a new set of eyes and a healed heart in a different way. You can reimagine your relationship because that side of Christianity does not hold the definition of or the experience of. Jesus. And so that is what part of the deconstruction process is, is looking at all aspects of your, your religious indoctrination and those beliefs and saying, do I really believe that? And if I don't, am I willing to explore what other people believe and what other scholarly research is out there? 
because there are, there's lots, there's lots. And we've talked about them here. Last week I shared about how I was covertly studying John Shelby Spong long before I had left church. So, you know, none of us should be surprised that the uh, Christian response to uh, deconstructing Christians is to hurl insults at them, to condemn them. But I can tell you now that I've been out of the church now for over 10 years and looking at what's being said and done, this is a power move of cowards. I'm just going to flat out say it. It's a power move of cowards because anyone who is using fear and manipulation to control another is acting from a space of their own fear of losing control. And that is what we're seeing. So what, what, but also what we're seeing is that this, um, these social media platforms and um, thank goodness for the internet is giving us a place to have community. So I didn't see myself coming to an online platform to tell my story. Yes, I was writing and I was uh, providing spiritual care for people who had in one-on-one sessions who were navigating their own spiritual journeys, but I didn't see myself coming here, but I felt called here. And that call was just as powerful of any, as anything else I ever felt in my life in that in, in doing so people want to say, well, no, you're just, you're just a sinner. No, I know this feeling I've had it before I'm 60, 60 years old. I, I know how to navigate my spiritual truth and where it's pointing to, to me, but that's, that's, again, that's a move of cowards to try to re uh, define what my experience is. I will not let you do that for me, but What's happening is we are not only finding each other here, it's starting to feel like a community. We have it, uh, people, they tell me their stories, they ask questions, my uh, videos resonate, and, and, this, and there's so many people out there, cre- creators who are, are doing the same, and every one of them, whether it's through humor, whether it's through teachings uh, that, you know, that, that can bring a theology, theolo- theologian's perspective to those teachings, it's broad and it's wonderful. And I'm so honored to be a part of it. Now, a couple months ago, uh, a mega church pastor, his name is Matt Chandler, did a sermon and he got called out for it, even by Christians who said um, in it, in this sermon, he said, quote, you and I are in a day and age where deconstruction and turning away from and leaving the church has become some sort of sexy thing to do. I contend that if you ever experience the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, actually, that that's really impossible to deconstruct from. Now, my response is that is, again, it's very unethical and a cowardly thing to say about the deconstructing Christians. And never in my 10 years of deconstructing have I ever considered what I was doing as sexy. Again, it goes back to this, this narrative that they're trying to put over this. Several people responded on Twitter about this. And one person said, I can tell you there is nothing, I, could, I repeat, nothing sexy about deconstructing. It is hard. It is lonely. It is exhausting, but it is not sexy. And that's a great way to look at deconstructing. Just like anything else that you're healing from, figuring out who you are outside of that relationship is hard, no matter, no matter what it is, but especially your spiritual identity, if that's who you were. 
that tweet can be found in the blog at numasoul.com. So if you want to go check that out or just uh, go to the hashtag deconstructing or deconstruction, and you'll see all kinds of interesting things on Twitter. I also did a response video that you can find on TikTok, and it's also embedded in the blog that goes along with this podcast at numasoul.com. So he also, what Chandler is inferring with what he says there is that something that we hear often in our comments, um, those of us who are in, um, who are telling our stories as creators here on social media, he infers that we must never have been true Christians because you can't deconstruct if you true, if you actually, if you actually knew um, Jesus, because he says, quote, deconstructing from Jesus is impossible. If you've never, if you ever experienced the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, this is an insult. And it, like I said, it's, it's typically said of Christians by Christians who dismiss deconstruction by labeling, labeling all of us has never been true in the first place. Well, it doesn't stop there. Uh, Skillet is a, a Christian rock band. And um, there, I think he's the lead singer. I don't know a lot about them. And I know he could care less that I don't know a lot about them. I, I Trust me, I can go back and name 30 songs from Hillsong and Third Day and Newsboys and Nicole Nordeman and 10th Avenue North. Those were, those were, those were my jams, but Skillet, not so much. Um, but recently he took a more sinister and threatening stance when he spoke at a concert uh, recently saying, and I quote, there is no such thing as divorcing Jesus Christ from the Bible. That is not a thing. I don't hate those deconstructed Christians. I pray for their repentance. Kind of like, you know, I'm going to pray for you, but listen, he said, they have divorced themselves from God because John Cooper knows our, our relationship with the divine. So, you know, he's got that all figured out right there from the the stage. They're, you know, pausing during a rock concert to say this. They have divorced themselves from God and they want to take as many of you people as they can. And it is time for us and your generation to declare war on this idolatrous deconstruction Christian movement, end quote. Now, to some of you who may be listening who weren't raised evangelical Christianity, it may seem outlandish to hear someone in this position declare war on a movement, but that's not anything new. I, in my own lifetime, I have heard uh, pastors tell us to declare war on women's rights to control their bodies. Wokeness is a real big one. Oh, you can't be woke out here because, you know, woke people ask questions. It's about submitting to church authority. And if we don't like to answer your questions, then don't expect us to, because then you are the one with the weak faith and the doubter's mind. That's what wokeness means to them. They've declared war on feminism, any worldly cause that someone's trying to put ahead of the church's needs, Democrats, and even speaking out against other religions. So uh, recently, an extremist pastor, Greg Locke, and I, I think he's just trying to get Trump's attention. If you just type his name, you're going to see some of the things that he has been doing recently. And it is, it seems very hyperbolic. And I think he's, uh, he, I think he has a connection with Trump, but um, he went on a, a, another rant during one of his uh, sermons, and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, where he called members of his own congregation judgmental, cowards, and hypocrites for criticizing his political rants during his sermon. He actually challenged his church members to leave immediately because he was not going to stop talking about Black Lives Matter, 
President Biden, abortion, and the rights of the LGBTQIA plus humans. He said, that's all wicked nonsense, all wicked nonsense. But then it even goes back farther than that. I mean, even in my own experience, I know that we were constantly talked about the evils of the world and how important it was uh, to be in the world, but not of it. And that you had to make sure that you were putting on this armor that protected you. And all of that was to make sure that there weren't going to be any worldly influences over you, but also it was very, very powerful to make sure that you understood that the only thing that kept you sacred and safe and saved was church, was your relationship to that physical body. Because if you're in church, then you're tithing. And then you are part of being able to perpetuate that institution. So, you know, standing in church as a little girl, I remember singing, I know all the words to onward Christian soldiers that keeps going. And um, in the blog, I tell the story about going to pick up my uh, grandson from a Christian daycare where he, he wasn't in his room. They were all in assembly in the smaller chapel. And um, I just snuck and sat in the back because he was up front and I was just going to wait there while the pastor was on the stage with these images of bloodied soldiers, soldiers who had been injured in battle, one carrying, he had blood all over his face, one carrying his comrade who looked like his arm was about to fall off. And that the comrade who was wounded was wrapped in an American flag, all these symbolisms. And in the middle of that stage was an image of Jesus Christ in his crown of sword, blood coming off over. And of course it was a white Jesus because we have to not only, uh, we have to appropriate the Jesus narrative to fit the white narrative that makes people comfortable. So we got to see Jesus as white and he's covered in blood because you're teaching these children to equate the sacrifice of soldiers to the sacrifice Christ gave when he died on the cross. You, you want to think that that's not indoctrination. That's not fear-based indoctrination and indoctrination into a warlike mentality. That indoctrination starts early. And it was the first time I saw it from the other side. I had left church by that time and I didn't have any, I knew of this church, but I wasn't a part of it. And I knew several people who had gone to it. They were nice. But then when you get into, you see that it doesn't necessarily have to be an evangelical, what's considered an evangelical church, which might be um, tied to something that, you know, that where they're speaking in tongues and laying on of hands and things like that. This was a more conservative Christianity. And up there were those images and seeing it through the eyes of my now deconstructing mind and soul. It horrified me to think that my grandson was seeing those images and thinking that somehow that was holy and that had something to do with God and, and Jesus. And it just, I, I was horrified sitting there. Now, fortunately, as time has gone on, um, our family has deconstructed from Christianity and my grandchildren are no longer influenced by those kinds uh, that kind of uh, fear-based religious rhetoric. And I'm so grateful. So we will say um, prayers to, you know, thank you for this day spirit and acknowledge that something greater than us is moving in the world. And we don't have to necessarily know all the answers and just answer their questions when they have them.
Going back to uh, good old John Cooper from Skillet, if you want to know a little bit more about the mindset of someone who thinks that it's okay to declare war, and this is this is very prevalent in that evangelical conservative community, it's also taught that religious indoctrination teaches you that evil, that not only is things outside the church evil, and, and they are at war with the world for every, every human soul, they will also reconcile events of the world as part of God's plan. And in another interview, John Cooper talked about why he believed God allowed the pandemic to happen. And I'll pin that in the show notes as well. But in that, he says, quote, we're not actually good people. We all do bad stuff. We all cheat. We all lie. We're all greedy. And as much as the most loving person in the whole world that you'll ever find, that person is actually still very far off from what mankind was supposed to be. And certainly far off from who God is in the way that God truly loves us in a perfect way. And before that, he also said, the first answer is we're not good people. We're all fallen and we're all in desperate need of salvation through Jesus. So in other words, we are, we are never good enough. And this must be a time when God needed to punish us, kind of like hearkening back to the the Noah narrative when God destroyed the earth because he couldn't only find one good person. So, you know, I'm always careful to say if those are your beliefs, those are your beliefs, but the outward expression of those beliefs that then turn into you wanting to dictate how the rest of us will live is where this falls embarrassingly and egregiously short and why so many of us who are waking up and I want to use wake as a wokeness, because I know that that's a grind against those who um, consider that uh, a way of the world. I am so grateful to be awake. I don't want to go back to sleep. I didn't feel that when I first, when I first deconstructed, I'll be honest, I lost so much of my beliefs And I felt wobbly. I remember when I was thinking about some of the the narratives of the, of the Jesus story that no longer resonate with me. I literally fell on the floor and cried. Now, beloveds, my deconstruction is my deconstruction. Deconstructing is not about saying you have to believe this way. I, I rarely talk about what I believe because I've seen the danger of mandating what people should believe to belong to the exclusive good Christian club. And then how that's now influencing our government, because there's a lot of people who want to tell all of us want to believe. And that's why it's important for you to stay awake, use your voice and vote. Or we're going to have an authoritarianism that's going to be filtered through this extremist religious Christian Christianity belief. So we have to be very careful and awake. But here's why this is where I'm going to I'm going to switch gears here a minute and it's it's going to get a little disturbing. And when I thought about talking about this this week, about you don't they fear your strength, this vision came in my head and I thought, how am I going to bring this? How am I going to bridge this together? But I, I have to go there. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about, because when I ask these questions, why would a pastor get on stage? And in front of young children, show them images of bloodied soldiers and then a bloodied Christ. Why would a lead singer of a Christian rock group declare war on deconstructing Christians? 
why would a pastor preach that deconstructing Christians never knew Jesus? It's because they fear that you'll remember your strength. The chained elephant that is held in captivity and forced to perform in ways that are completely unnatural to their nature does not willingly surrender its freedom. It remembers who it is, but once captured, an elephant must be beaten and whipped into submission to convince the elephant that the human inflicting the pain is his master. And these humans, they will routinely withhold medical care, food, and water so that the elephant learns that complete submission to the master's authority will ease her pain. To the elephant that has repeatedly, that has been repeatedly beaten to the point of exhaustion, she forgets that she carries in her the DNA that is the might of her ancestors. Those ancestors that once roamed the world as one of its most majestic, majestic of beasts. She has forgotten her strength now, it has been beaten out of her, exhausted, hungry, and alone. Her tor tormentor is the source of her pain but also the, the relief from that pain. And the elephant has no choice but to rely on the human for her existence. And when that training is complete, the human need only remind the elephant that she has no control over her life by simply keeping a chain on her leg. It doesn't have to be attached to anything and she will submit. So why does the human inflict such horrific pain on this majestic beast? Because the human knows that if the elephant ever understood her strength, the human would lose control and the elephant would free itself. I know that this analogy is going to offend some of you because I'm comparing this to the manipulative tactics of church leaders who are turned into tormentors. But I would also counter that you should be equally offended by a church leader who gets on a stage in front of young people and declares war on a group of people for merely leaving their religious heritage and exploring spirituality outside of church. So outrage, as outrageous as it may seem to compare religious indoctrination to the torture of a chained elephant, it is exactly that type of indoctrination that convinces the human that life outside the construct of their religious heritage, that church is not only impossible, it is the path to evil and certain death. Indoctrination by fear clearly tends to seek control of an individual by being the expert in identifying the source of evil and the rescuer from it. Now, I use this tactic on my own kids. I did. I have no shame in doing that to keep them out of the road and to keep them away from strangers. That's when we use fear-based tactics to keep people from being harmed physically. They understand what safety is. They understand what that means to keep themselves physically safe. But an indoctrination that seeks to control another so that they remain loyal to a belief system is manipulative. And it prioritizes the perpetuation of that institution over the well being of the individual. So when you look at what John Cooper said and Matt Chandler and Greg Locke and the hundreds of others that are continuing to preach this fear-based rhetoric. You'll often hear people say, well, they didn't even talk to any deconstruct, deconstructing people for their articles or their sermon. Of course they didn't. They have no 
desire to engage with us, we've broke the chains of that indoctrination. They can see it in our faces and the words that we use, that we are determined never to be subjected to their fear-based ideologies, nor will we be silent. We remembered our strength. We reclaimed our spirituality. And outside of that indoctrinated belief, those tactics of manipulation and control, they are ill-equipped to engage with us. The church members sitting in the pews, however, they're still shackled to that fear-based indoctrination. The hate that these church leaders spew at those in the pew are intended to remind them that they, the church leaders, are their tormentor and rescuer, and their souls depend on their bonds to their version of Christianity. Take one more look at what John Cooper's said during that concert. Quote, they have divorced themselves from God, and they want to take as many of you people as you can, as they can, end quote. Did you catch that? He's accusing the deconstructing Christians of having some kind of sinister plot to take as many of you people as they can. So now we're the tormentor. We're the perpetrator of some kind of sinister plan to take your souls, you people. You people in the church pews, you've been relegated to this collective, you people, because in this world of religious indoctrination, the the institution cannot survive without you people. If fear is the way to control you people, then John Cooper, Matt Chandler, and Greg Glock, and all the others will continue to spew those ridiculous fear-based rhetoric because now they're turning us into the focus of their war. Men like Cooper see that within deconstruction comes knowledge and power. And if you people are in community with us, you may too remember that and break your own chains. But he doesn't need to worry. We're not out here deconstructing by evangelizing. That's not what we're out here doing. We're just talking to each other. I don't want to convert anyone. That's too exhausting. You think I'm going to go try to talk to an evangelical Christian about converting to deconstructing? That's ridiculous. And it's an insult to what we're doing. But that's what you're trying to do. Because any way that you can marginalize our existence and minimize it as being important and and put it into those buckets of something that you call evil, and it's so bad that you are now going to declare war on it, then that so be it. That you're willing to sacrifice relationships and human beings by declaring us evil. While all we are doing is just living out here free from guilt and shame, and most importantly, free from these chains that held us captive to a toxic theology that inhibited our spiritual growth. And the data shows that many people are joining us every day, not because of anything we're doing, because of what you're doing. John Cooper, Matt Chandler, Greg Locke, Christianity Today, and all your deconstructing articles. We're not doing anything but living guilt-free, and yet people continue to leave your religion every day. So come to think of it, John Cooper, Greg Locke, and Matt Chandler, you should worry. Blessed be. 
Okay, beloveds, I am so honored to be in this space with you. I pray that you receive something. I know that I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey, this deconstructing journey, this healing spiritual journey with you, and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week, and I will see you soon. to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to Spirituality Matters at RevCarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!